Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Advent here at Crozet United Methodist Church. We've been on this worship journey inspired by the O. Henry short story, The Gift of the Magi. And in that story, if you're unfamiliar with it, there is this lovely young couple. They're just beginning their lives together and they don't have a lot of material wealth or financial resources, but they have two things that are very distinctive and precious to them. And that is that she has very long, gorgeous hair. It is her crowning glory. And he has received, as it's been inherited through multiple generations, this incredible gold pocket watch. And as Christmas is drawing close, they are thinking about what they might give to one another. They are considering, what is it that I have, or what is it that I can do to show the other how important they are to me, how much I love them and care for them, and how grateful I am for our relationship. And what they end up doing is somewhat tragic and that she realizes the only thing of value she has is her hair and so she cuts it off and sells it to a wig maker and he realizes the only thing he has is his watch and so he sells it to a jeweler and in exchange for those things they receive enough money to purchase for him she purchases the perfect accessory for that watch which would be a gold chain and he purchases to accessorize her hair some tortoiseshell combs And when they come together on Christmas and they have the opportunity to exchange gifts, they realize that they have sacrificed what was so precious in order to show the other that they were more precious. And you'll have to read the story sometime to see how that all works out. It actually ends up working out quite beautifully. Because O. Henry says that the best gift is the one that is sacrificial, the one that reveals that you are willing to go without so someone else may be blessed, the one that shows that it is not about your comfort or your desire, but seeing to another that is truly the wisest gift of all. Hence, the story is called the gift of the Magi. So using that as a springboard, we have been talking about all the different generations in our family of faith here at Crozet. And we are blessed to have someone from every single generation, starting with the greatest generation, the silent generation, the baby boomers, Generation X, the millennials, Generation Z. And today we talk about not last or least, but currently Generation Alpha. And the federal government describes Generation Alpha as anyone born after 2013. So our children up here today, Generation Alpha. These are most often children of millennials. They are the pandemic generation. They were younger than seven when COVID hit. They are on target to be the most educated generation in world history. Because of their unparalleled access to information, to the internet in the digital age, because of the rising ability of their families and socioeconomic status to have access to higher education, they, more than any other generation that has ever been, are going to be the most educated. And we have to wonder and ponder, 
what will they do with such knowledge and wisdom? They are certainly tech-savvy. They were born in the information age and the technology age, and most of them are more adept than we are at using it. They are also living in a reality of artificial intelligence. It's not a debate, an ethical question. It is their reality. And most of them engage with it happily. They are going to be social media dominated. So engines like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, those sorts of access to social media is going to be the dominant way in which they interact. And for a lot of them, it already has been because of the pandemic, which means it's incumbent upon all the rest of us to reveal the value of person-to-person -person interaction. That yes, the pandemic has certainly made us thankful for the gift of technology and the ability to connect socially through these media outlets. But at the same time, we know how important it is to be able to see someone face to face, to be able to look into their eyes, to hear their voice, to recognize those nuances of reflection, and above all, to simply bask in the presence of one another. This will be a gift that all generations will share with Generation Alpha. Here's some things that are kind of interesting about them. They tend to be defiant by nature. I think there's a little bit of that in every generation. But they are also inclined to break free from existing structures because they are constantly changing. The world has been constantly changing ever since they came into it, and so they are welcome to change. They feel free to do so. They are those that cherish individual style and their own comfort over societal norms. They want to go to school in their pajamas? They're going to go to school in their pajamas. They want to go to school dressed up in a Halloween costume, even though it's May? They will go to school dressed up in a Halloween costume because they feel like that expresses how they are feeling or who they are in that moment. And they have learned to embrace that and let it speak volumes to the rest of us. The majority of Generation Alpha are non-religious. There's many reasons for this. It's quite possible that since the vast majority of them are children of millennials, that millennials were actually the first generation to experience not being raised in Christianity in the church because many of their parents, the baby boomers, had wandered away after being raised in Christianity, and that has an effect. So it means that all of us in the church are going to have to demonstrate that the church is truly vitally important for all of us and reveal through our words and our actions, our ministries, and our mission work that truly this is something that every person should consider becoming a part of and embracing as Christianity gives us something that nothing else can ever replace. These are children that by and large will not know the Bible. They will not know the nativity. And they won't know the theology of a loving God who offers unparalleled grace unless we show it to them. So Generation Alpha is an incredible generation. We have almost 70 of them in our preschool, and they are quite amazing and dynamic and interesting and sometimes hilariously funny. And I love being around them, and I think that they are truly going to bless the world, but... It means that the rest of us, and myself as a generation Xer, mean that all of us are going to have to consider what can our generation give to them? Because hopefully we all agree that we want our children to be even better than we were, whether they are biologically our children or not. 
I'm sure that my great-grandparents and my grandparents, who were of the lost generation and the greatest generation, wouldn't be happy to think that every generation we get worse and worse. They certainly didn't struggle and suffer to overcome the Great Depression and world wars so that we could all just be mediocre. They did those things to provide their children and their children's children and the children that would come after an opportunity to do better, to have more, and to do more with what they have. And so there is this embedded desire in human DNA that our children should do better. And in some ways, Generation Alpha has already embraced that concept. And in some ways, they will probably springboard ahead of where we could have ever hoped to have them be. Because with knowledge and wisdom comes power. And with knowledge and wisdom and power come great responsibility. And what will they do? Well, if our preschool is any kind of foretelling or prophetic opportunity to look into the future, they're going to be very social. They're going to love being with one another. They're certainly going to have some unbridled truth that they will share with one another. And they will wrestle with how things are not always the same for one person to another. And why it is that even despite differences, we somehow manage to come together. They are some of the most inquisitive preschoolers I have ever done chapel for. I'm trying to teach them about the nativity, and they're like, why does that tree look like that? What color is that? What are those flowers for? What is this thing over here? Why do you have screens? What is this thing over here? Can we play that? Constantly taking in information, asking questions, and wanting instant answers, which in some ways is wonderful. Because for a lot of us, we've been afraid to ask questions. We don't want to seem like we're silly or uneducated. We don't want to feel embarrassed or humiliated. They have none of that. They feel free to ask any question. And they will have follow-up questions and commentary about your answers. They are happy to engage in those dialogues. And for some of us, isn't that great? How many generations did it take for us to say, why is it that we only see men up there? Why is it that we seem so vanilla? How many generations did it take before we started to cry out against some of the things that we should have been seeing all along? This generation is very quick to look, very quick to observe, and to ask some of those hard questions. So maybe that alone, their intellectual curiosity, will mean that they will be able to leapfrog over the boundaries and the prohibitions that we, the older generations, have felt, and that they will embrace that. But on Christmas, most of the time, Christmas is about that generation, right? The youngest generation. We think about them, and we anticipate their joy and their excitement over Christmas. In fact, the largest worship service we offered of the five we did three on Christmas Eve, one on Christmas Day, and this one today. The largest by far was our children's worship this year. Well over 100 people in here. Lots of children and a mini donkey. We actually had a live animal in here. Don't tell the trustees. We had a beautiful mini donkey in here. And the kids got to hear two versions of the Nativity play. Not just the traditional version of the Nativity play, but also one through the lens of the generation just previous to them, Generation Z, offering them an opportunity. Now, they were quite hysterical because as I had them up here for children's time right before the nativity play, I said, do you like teenagers? And they said, no. 
I said, why don't you like teenagers? They're like, oh my gosh, teenagers. They're just, sometimes they're very loud and they can be troublesome. And they have no idea. But I said, well, you're in luck because we have got some of the very best teenagers in all of Crozet here for you. They are wonderful. And they were. They were excellent. And as I sat here in the midst of Generation Alpha and I watched what Generation Z offered them, I have never been so proud to be Generation X. To be able to see that the generations that are coming after us are thoughtful and consistent. They are all in and dedicated. And when they feel called to do something, they are going to do it with excellence to the best of their ability. And that covers some of the greatest qualifications and qualities of every generation. That they want to do their best. But not just for their own sake. They wanted to do their best so that others might be blessed. And that embodies what it is to be a Christian. And all that we are started here for us as Christians. There is certainly foreshadowing and prophetic word that came before the birth of Christ our Lord. But for most of us, that moment that we truly had Genesis in the narrative of the scriptures happened on this day. It happened when Christ came to us in human form, born in the lowest of circumstances. And yet, it was the start of a revolution that would change generation after generation for almost 2,000 years. We have been transformed. And what's incumbent upon us now is to make sure that every generation is trying to bless the others. Blessing with what we have learned, what we have learned to do well and effectively, and what we have learned because we have failed. What we have learned when we have tried and we have not been able to do the things that we wanted to do or the things that God has commanded us to do. That too is wisdom and knowledge and power. We're also called to show them that they are beloved. People will never choose to worship and adore the newborn king if they don't recognize that Christ is their king, that Christ came for them, and that this crazy story that we tell visually and with the word, that this story is actually theirs. In a world where sometimes we feel pressure such intense pressure to make everything seem perfect, pristine, like a veneer. This story wipes all of that away. And every generation has incredible gifts to offer. They are the next magi. They are those that have been given time and talent, gifts and graces. And each of us embody the Holy Spirit in a different way. And the challenge for us on Christmas and in the days after, for there's 12 days between Christmas and Epiphany, hence on the 12th day of Christmas. But in between this time, it's a perfect opportunity for us to look and to notice and to be grateful for other generations and how they have successfully helped tell the story preserve some of the things that keep our identity Christ-centered, but also to look and say, may you learn where we have failed. 
Some of us were excellent at making sure there was a building and a place and a structure so that people could find sanctuary. Some generations were excellent about making sure that we developed programs and ministries that would educate and support families as they raised their children. Some generations were excellent about embracing technology and figuring out new ways to reach people who otherwise would never have heard that Christ our Lord is born this day. But because each generation together makes the body of Christ, every generation has an important part to play. Think about each and every generation as a system or a part of the body. If one of your systems completely degenerated, your body would feel it. If your circulatory system started to fail you, if your respiratory system started to fail you, Heaven help you if it's your renal system or your gastroenterology system, right? All of those things, those systems are very precious to us and they are a balance. And that is what the church is asked to do. Balance itself, not to privilege one generation over another, but to preach the unparalleled truth that all people are precious to God. Christ came because God wanted to bring peace on earth for all people. And that changes the world. Not just those that have been good, not just those that have been faithful, not just those that were part of the original covenant at Mount Sinai, not those that simply called themselves God's people, but to teach the world for all time that every person is God. And that God would turn all customs and mores and norms on its head in order to bring that gift. And if we truly want to celebrate Christmas, not just on the 25th of December, but for the rest of our lives, then we have to be a group of people that recognize that all of us need to speak and live our truth. But all of us also need to make sure that we are encouraging one another to speak and live their truth, and investing in one another. When I told the children about the story of the gingerbread man, you'll notice that he refers to himself as a man. He's newborn, but he's like, I'm a man, right? And it could have easily been a gingerbread woman. We're not going to genderize it. But all of a sudden, this cookie thinks, I'm fully baked and an adult, and I'm going to do what I want. I'm sure no human being has ever done that. I have a 12-year-old going on 42, so, you know, I'm getting used to this too. But what we discover is that that older generation that had nurtured him into being, they wanted to bless him. They wanted to be blessed by him. Because even though they had no children of their own, just being near him warmed their hearts. And to find joy in the very presence of another person, their mere existence, not because of what they do for you or what they have done or will do for you, but merely in the fact that they exist. That is why Christians continue to erect nativities that are all about purely being blessed by the presence. 
No nativity is simply Jesus in a manger. No nativity is complete if it's only got Mary and Jesus. It takes all of them. Every one of them is precious. And it's not over. Next week on Sunday on Epiphany, another generation will come. And they all come for various reasons. Mary is, is there because Joseph had to go to Bethlehem to be counted. She is there because her life partner had a duty and a responsibility, and she went with him. And the shepherds are there because God sent God's angels to tell them and to offer them the opportunity to come. And by Judaic standards of the day, they were probably teenagers working the worst shift in the flock, that overnight shift where you had to stay vigilant and aware and you had to constantly try to keep track of sheep in darkness. But that night, the sky lit up with the presence of the heavenly host. And God offered them the opportunity to come, and they did. And so they are there. But there's another generation that is watching. It is their custom to watch the night sky. It is their custom to pay attention to the change over time. And it is part of their duty to observe and to recognize when something has shifted. And something has shifted, not just in the sky, but in human history. Something has changed. On the night in which Christ came into the world as the Christ child, a star rose in the sky that has never been there since. And it did something that no celestial object has ever done. It stayed stationary. As the world spun, as it navigated around the sun, this star never moved, which is physically impossible if you know anything about astrophysics. But this star stayed in one place. And maybe that is the one metaphor we overlook too often. God's love for us stays in one place. It never abandons us. It never casts us off and, and rejects us. It is constantly welcoming us back. Come home to me. And if you find yourself in the lowly conditions of the stable struggling with being a family or struggling with being a person that is able to care for those that you love. And God's love is there for you. It was in the stable. It was in the sky. It was in the city. It was in those that responded. It is in the very words and the retelling of the story. And it is found every time a Christian who takes the name and the mantle of Jesus Christ, chooses to love another person. That love remains stable and steadfast. And every generation, every person of every generation, is being asked and challenged and encouraged to wrestle with, how are you going to make my love stable today? How are you going to allow my love to be consistently given in you and through you and because of you? We are a people who recognize the power of symbols. 
We are people who revel in what it means to have a connection beyond time and space, which is what the traditions of the church are. But we are also a people who recognize that we have been created and called into community in the name of our Lord and Savior. And nothing calls us to that more than Christmas. No one that first night in a stable in a little town of Bethlehem would have ever imagined that this would be the gathering place of all Christianity. This is where we gather. This is where we come every year. Why? Because Jesus told us in the gospel account of Matthew to become like children, to welcome them in his name. And if there's one thing that we do well, it's do that at Christmas. But why should it only be at Christmas? Might we do it at Easter? Could we do it on a random Sunday of the year? Could we do it on a midweek day? Could we welcome children and become like them 365 days a year? And when one of us starts to feel exhausted by that endurance, slipping through our fingers because it is running a marathon trying to keep up with Generation Alpha, might another generation step up? Might we work together across generations? If we are a people that will be connected for all time, by the power and the presence of God, might we reveal that holy truth here and now. So whatever generation you are, you are a blessing and not a burden. And whatever generation you count yourself among, might you look for an opportunity to share the gifts, the experience, the lessons that you have learned. And open yourself up to receive the same from another generation those before you, and those who are coming after. For it was in the original generation, Alpha, that we encountered God's love like never before. And every time a child is born, we have the opportunity to revisit this moment and remember that it is the birth of a child that can change the world, not just the birth of Jesus Christ, but the birth of a child that will rise through the ranks and become a leader who will choose to change the way that people function in their nation. A child who will rise to adulthood and find ways to end cancer. A child that will rise and that will learn enough in order to find ways to renew our resources so that people do not have to go hungry or thirsty. A child that will rise and say, can't we truly find a way to show that love? Not just in our words and our gestures, but in our very presence. Every time a child is born, we have that opportunity. And every time we who are no longer children under 18, we have an opportunity to look at those children and receive the implicit invitation to rekindle our childlike faith our childlike energy and excitement, and the wonder that we first had at Christmas.
May it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful, and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.